Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Red, White, and Blue Jays. Oh, we've got some live baseball back. Spring training has officially kicked off. First game was yesterday. Uh, can't wait to start to watch real baseball again. What a long break we've had, but it is definitely back up and running. The Jays have had a mega week in terms of their signings, and we'll get to chat a little bit about that over the coming episodes. Uh, but today I had the joy of catching up with Bob Ballard. Now, you will know Bob, I'm absolutely convinced, from many of the commentaries that he's done. And it was just a real thrill to hear a little bit about his career and to hear about his passion for the Jays and how that all first started. Uh, So enjoy this one with Bob Ballard. The podcast home of Blue Jays fans UK. You're listening to Red, White and Blue Jays. Hey guys, welcome to Red, White and Blue Jays and a very warm welcome to Bob Ballard. Bob, great to have you on. Steve, great to be on. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's absolute pleasure, sir. Um, I've got so much to talk about. Obviously, at the point of recording, we've had a mega week in terms of the Jays and what's happened in their world. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the signings and, and our sort of thoughts towards this season. Uh, obviously, spring training's already kicked off as well. So, lo- yeah, loads, loads of things happening in Jays' world. But I think just in terms of a bit of an introduction, it'd be great to just get a little bit about you. I've done an introduction in terms of you and a little bit about your career, but just if we can rewind the clock, just tell us how you first sort of came into broadcasting and your passion for commentating and so on. Where where did that all start? Well, my passion for commentating came a bit later on, but my passion for music has been there since I was very young. And that was kind of what led me into broadcasting eventually anyway, is when I left school, there weren't any openings in broadcasting uh, straight off. So I had to work out a plan or a path to get into broadcasting. And I thought the best way probably would be to work in the music industry because it's something that interests me. And um, so I worked in that for about five years working on the basis that I probably would, during the course of working in the music industry, come across people who worked in broadcasting. That's exactly what happened, because I was doing uh, probably the worst, one of the worst jobs I've ever had to do was plugging, uh, that is going around the radio stations and trying to get them to play your music, which is, uh, if you work at a big radius, a big record company, sometimes it's not so bad, but if you're working at a small one and you're battling with the big boys, it's a little unfulfilling, shall we say. So, but um, the kind of, the good thing that came out of that, the positive thing that came out of that from my point of view, was I did meet somebody at Radio Medway, as they were then, Radio Kent, as they were latterly, who said, oh, you've obviously got an interest in radio. And I said, yes, that's obviously eventually what I want to get into. Uh, so I started to work on a programme on Radio Medway, as it was then, uh, called Out and About, a Saturday afternoon programme, presented by Kevin Geary, who you may know, Sally died a couple of years ago, was my producer at Radio Kent. And uh, so I just did this kind of behind the scenes stuff for a little while. And then one Saturday afternoon, there was no sport on. It was uh, chucking down with snow. And uh, an hour before transmission, he said to me, how do you fancy doing the programme? I went, you are kidding me. He said, no, no, I don't fancy doing it today. Why don't you you do it? It's a three hour programme. I'd never done a three hour programme on on proper radio before. I'd done hospital radio, but I'd never done you know, something's going out to to one of the biggest counties in in the whole of the UK, and uh, that was kind of it. That was that was my my launch pad, if you like. And uh, in a way, I kind of never looked back from that because having done that program, he said, "Well, yeah, you did pretty well. You can do it from now on." And I did for the next five and a half years. Extraordinary. I mean, so when you said you had a passion for broadcasting, did you did you have like a school radio station or anything like that? That where did that that uh, sort of um, DNA, if you like, in you to do broadcasting? Where, where did that actually kick in? I'll tell you what, I had a radio station that I used to run from my bedroom. Um, I invented a radio station that you should broadcast from train stations, right? It didn't obviously exist, but in, in, my, uh, uh, in my world, in my imagination, I actually had this radio station that would broadcast from train stations, right? So they play music and then they do all the announcements and stuff like that. 
uh, a version of that kind of happened later on, funny enough. I may be slightly ahead of the curve on that, but I, I kind of created my own radio station from my bedroom. Uh, then I worked in hospital radio when I was 16. Literally two days after my 16th birthday, I started working at Radio Hillingdon in West London. Uh, so that was kind of how I learned to uh, do radio and uh, make all my mistakes at that level. And uh, that's what led me eventually to work into to radio proper what, so, so seven years later, six, seven years yeah. later. Uh, I, and I think often, you know, the things that we do in adult life come from those sort of moments don't they, in childhood and dreaming and, and for you to actually fulfill that passion that you had as a, as a young age so what, what would have been your music genre if you'd uh you know broken through in terms of just pure music what, where would you have liked to have sat um well my musical taste is so wide and so varied i mean i have a, a ridiculously extensive cd collection which basically eats me out of house and home these days because i always want to try and complete stuff so i go well, i haven't got that track i need to get that track and i'm, I'm always looking for stuff so i've probably got about twenty thousand cds something like oh that oh my goodness in my collection yeah um that's how ridiculous my cd collection is so so i am i think if i was to have to choose between music and sport music would come first definitely um they, they run each other quite close but music would would uh would, would get the priority would get the nod on that so so where are you with streaming platforms and all that sort of stuff uh don't you like just, it. You don't. no I, I no i like physical music i like buying it so before cds i used to buy albums um i'm not really into buying albums these days even though i have a deck because they, they just take up too much room, basically. I mean, CDs take up enough room as it is. Um, but whilst I like uh, and always used to like vinyl and having the, the, the proper stuff, just takes up too much room. But I know I'm not a streaming person at all. I, I would far rather seek out, if I can, get the physical version and, um, you know, uh, put it on my laptop if need to be. But uh, I, I, I always would rather have the physical version to hand every time. Yeah, I'm always fascinated with this sort of whole cd versus you know spotify or apple or whatever in terms of you know can you really tell the difference between the music quality of something that's being streamed and, and, and maybe just because my ears aren't attuned perhaps in the same way somebody like you would be but would, would you be able to pick out the difference between the two i can certainly tell the difference between vinyl and cd um if you have a quality vinyl compared to cd then there is a difference. I, I'm a big Motown fan. I went to Motown Museum a few years ago, which is one of the greatest things I've ever done. And I could tell the difference between Motown music on vinyl and Motown music on CD because there's a depth and a warmth to that. There is non CD because everything gets compressed, doesn't it? When you get when it becomes digitized, everything kind of gets moved into the middle. Whereas with vinyl, you get the whole expanse and the whole wide range of it. So I, I, I can always tell uh, quite easily the difference between a vinyl and CD. But as I say, because of sheer space size and everything else these days, CDs is more practical in lots of yeah. ways. Yeah. Brilliant. So moving into sport then, what, what, was the first, what was the first thing that you, you sort of said you were thrown into the deep end? Um, how, how, how did that go? I mean, what, what, was, what was the emotion like? knowing that you're speaking to lots of people who are listening in. I mean, this, this is hard enough doing this with you, quite frankly, and <laughs> at least I can listen to it and edit it out when I make mistakes. But what was it like in the live world? Well, but the essence of radio should be that you are broadcasting to one person. Now, you and I hopefully are going to get loads of people hearing this, but we should be thinking about maybe just one person listening to it. We should be aiming at one person. And that's the whole nature of what radio is about, is potentially you've got hundreds thousands maybe millions of people listening to you but you don't think of that you think of what the one person when i used to do drive time i think of the guy in his car or i think of somebody preparing the dinner in the kitchen you don't actually think about uh oh i could be broadcast to all these people when i when i did i know we're jumping forward a bit here but when i did the tom daly bronze medal in london at 2012 olympics we got viewing figures of 17.5 million people now, I cannot even think about that. I work at Wembley, which holds 90,000 people. So that is Wembley, what is that, 24 times over or something like that? Something ridiculous like that. You, know, you don't think about that. If you did think about that when you're doing broadcast, you'd never do it because it, it, it's, it's just out of your mindset completely. So you have to think about when you're broadcasting television, radio, whatever it is, 
you are broadcasting to one person. You have an idea who that person might be, might be a friend, might be somebody that you visualize being involved in listening to your program at that time. But you, you can't physically or mentally ever consider the possibility of broadcasting to thousands, hundreds, millions, whatever it might be, because otherwise you'd, you'd never do the job. You just wouldn't. Sure. So take us back then to your first sporting sporting experience. What was that? Where was that? Who was that? Uh, Can right. you remember so, the score? Yeah. Uh, well, we talk about Jays or we talk about anything? No, no, no. Back in terms of your commentating, what, what was... Uh, oh, well, yeah, well, commentating, that, that again, that came from Radio Kent as well. And uh, that was ice hockey because, all right, I, I'd done, like a lot of us do when we were younger, you know, uh, dummy commentaries in front of a television of football commentaries and things like that. The first thing I'd done for real was ice hockey. And the reason for that was I was working at Radio Kent, as I mentioned. They had an ice hockey team that did pretty well in its first season. They were called the Medway Bears out of Gillingham. And they made, they made the playoffs. So, because sport was 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 big, but not that big in Kent. We had Gillingham, we had Maidstone uh, in terms of football, cricket in the summer, but not much else. So this is quite a big thing for Radio Kent. And they went, oh, we've, uh, Medway Bears have reached the place, we need to do commentary. And I went, uh, who's going to do it? Because I'm the reporter. I followed them home and away. But I've never done ice hockey commentary. They said, well, now's as good a time to do it. Now's as good a time to learn and uh, to actually get involved in it. So I did. So I'm not sure how well I did. Probably not that well, to be absolutely honest, because it's the first time I've ever done. And also, I think you would know, and I think most people watching this would know, ice hockey is one of the most difficult games to commentate on, especially on the radio, even more so on the radio than television, because the speed of it, even at that level, which is not the highest level, not NHL level, of course, but even at that level, the puck's moving so quickly, player identification needs to be spot on, that kind of stuff. So if ever there was a difficult sport or the, the most difficult sport, potentially to do as your first commentary it would be ice hockey um but but it was a good it was a good grounding it was a good good lesson for me to learn how to do it yeah i mean a few years ago when we were over in toronto with our kids we went to the hockey hall of fame and uh, in there they've got um, a whole load of different events that you can do with the family and stuff and you know shoot pucks at goalkeepers and try and save them and all that sort of stuff but one of the things they have is this little sports center studio where they have uh, you know, a screen with a hockey game on it, and um, they they record you and trying to do the commentary of the game. And mm. uh, quite frankly, after about ten seconds, I I was about you know five seconds behind the play, even just trying to get my words out. And the and the puck is moving around so so yeah. quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean these guys who do it, you know, professionally, game in game out, it, and the concentration levels must be extraordinary. Well, and also, I mean, people who do football commentary, you've got 11 players out there. Ice hockey, you've got 23, potentially, all changing on the fly. So whilst you'll, you'll have five on the ice and you'll get another five on the ice and another five comes on the ice, you don't have that consistency that you have in other sports. So it's changing all the time. So what you'll get used to a pattern within a game, then suddenly it will change again because it's different players out on the ice. So uh, it, it, it's, it really does completely test the powers of observation and concentration you're quite mm. right in that respect mm. yeah so what, what what event would you look back over your career in terms of sporting event this is that you enjoyed commentating at the most what where would that sit i i think it probably would be 2012 paralympics actually not the olympics so much because we didn't do i was covering the swimming and the diving okay we did all right in the diving but the Paralympics 2012 was such a great atmosphere because it was something that we embraced and we endorsed. The swimming that I was covering, that venue was filled every night. People were quite knowledgeable. Uh, they really appreciated it. It did help that we did very well as well. But I, I just think it, it was one of those occasions where, as a Londoner, somebody who's born and bred here and lived most of my life here, to have an Olympic Games in my city and for it to go as well as it did, and then the Paralympics off the back of it. Um, it, it was a great four or five weeks, you know, which I don't think will ever be replicated. No. And were you doing the swimming at the Paralympics as well? Yes, that I was, yeah. 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 I mean, they were extraordinary events, weren't they? And, and I think all of us, uh, at the time, we were living in Weymouth, so we we saw a lot of the, the sailing events um, just off the shoreline from from the beach. And, and I think all of us will remember moments through that olympic games that will stand out the test of time and i think 
particularly being involved. Did you get to the opening ceremonies and all that sort of stuff? Do you get that privilege as commentators? No, I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I watched it. I watched it because the thing is, there's so many people, especially with that games in particular, when you work out, I was working for the BBC and the BBC made it their mission, their duty to cover every single event that was there. So event that you would normally see like handball, for example, there are people doing that. There are people, obviously, water polo, which is an event I've covered a bit. Um, but the, there's obviously was so many people within the BBC team. We couldn't all go to the opening ceremony or do the closing ceremony. So I watched the opening ceremony on TV, absolutely gobsmacked to what they did there. And, and again, I, I was very sad with the closing ceremony, which, uh, you know, it's kind of what we built up to over seven years, looking forward to it so much. It had gone so well. And then, oh, that was it. It's all over now. Um, but it, it, it was it was terrific, you know, and I, I feel feel sorry for those who missed out on that, who didn't actually experience it because, all right, we might get it again. There's talk we might get it again in 2036, potentially, but I don't think anything's quite going to capture the mood or the, the excitement and the feel of how London was in 2012, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I, there was a bit of scepticism, wasn't there, actually leading up to the games initially? Lots, lots. You know, Pearl Sebco was really having to do a hard sell for everybody to say this is a good thing, uh, but actually by the time the games happened, yeah, the, the well, I, I think I think a lot of people. Were, I think a lot of people were looking for it to fail. I think some people went, "Well, we're spending a lot of money on something like this. Why are we spending money on this? Well, we're going to be spending money on on other things. The the tube system is going to break down. Security is going to be terrible." We had all those things in the lead up to it. There was a bit of a security problem just before that was resolved pretty quickly. Tubes ran like a dream. I always say ran like that on a weekly basis in London now. But for the, for the duration of both the, the Olympics and the Paralympics, tube trains, all the uh, overground or TFL trains in London ran like clockwork. And what was so good about it, hopefully I'll never experience a war and hopefully you won't either, but it had a kind of wartime feel about it. People were talking to each other. People don't talk to each other on the tube. They just don't. You know, and people say, where have you been today? What have you seen? You know, it, that's the camaraderie that was engendered through that two to four weeks was unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We, it's funny, in Weymouth, we had buses galore. I'd, I've never seen so many buses. And uh, unfortunately, I think it, it sort of had a slightly different response. For, uh, Do you know so buses in Weymouth then or something? Or? Well, no, they do. But 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 <laughs> they, they were literally thousands of these buses because I think they were anticipating because the, the roads into Weymouth, I don't know if you've ever been there, it's. It's a little bit of a peninsula town as it goes out onto mm. Portland. So you don't tend to go to Weymouth unless you're absolutely going there. And so they put all yeah. these buses on up into Dorchester, which is north of north of Weymouth. And there were signs literally miles and miles away saying, please avoid the area. It's going to be gridlocked, all this sort of thing. And I think conversely, it sort of had a flip-flop effect on the town in that not a lot of people or not to the thousands and thousands of people they were expecting to come came and so we had all these empty buses running around for a while but i have to say what we got to on the beach was was brilliant and we absolutely loved every minute we sat on the sand the sun was shining I remember watching andy murray winning his gold medal on the big screen uh you know it's just and being out on the rocks uh when ben ainsley came through and won his gold and just the, the joy and the excitement of being around an event like that is and that's the beauty of sport that's what we well it, we, it is that is something that's what we love it can do that that nothing else can do in the same yeah. way. Now, as you know, I'm a West Ham fan. We're talking just after we've beaten Sevilla in the Europa League. I wasn't there on Thursday night, sadly. I couldn't get there. But just watching on TV, all the feedback I have from people I know who were there, uh, now the prospect of, of making it through to the semifinals, potentially. You know, sport kind of brings a lot of people together. And you know, at times where there's a lot of negative stuff around and, and, and really bad news, Sport does something that nothing else seems to be able to do. Yeah, no, I agree. So you mentioned the hammers, which I was going to, mm. which I was going to speak about, because obviously a couple of years ago there was an event at your home ground uh, yeah, in terms of the in terms of the London series, and and we are here to talk about baseball. So let's just let's just finish this one off. So 2019 Yankees Red Sox yes. London Stadium looked completely different. Mm. Did you go? Yes. I did go. Um, I think it's basically because I have no interest in either team. I have a loathing of one of those teams in particular. Uh, and I guess. thought, yeah, go on. Yeah, but, well, uh, they might they might have a few stripes on their uniform. 
yeah, they might just have that. And, and also, what also gets me, the amount of people who wear their caps, well, I'm sure they have absolutely no connection with the Yankees at all in London. I see the amount of New York yeah. Yankees caps in London drives me to distraction. I'm thinking, I bet you have no real affiliation with that team. It's just because you think it looks cool. Um, so no, I know, you know, I'm still hoping that if baseball does come back to London stadium, the, the, the Blue Jays get a look in at some point, especially when we win the world series this year, we'll be right after, <laughs> won't we? Yeah, but that would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did go to the game or the Saturday game. There's obviously the two and I, th- I thought they did well. I thought they, the, the ground actually converted as well as it could. And actually, they, they had while they had masses of foul territory up the first and, f- and third baselines, they'd actually brought some extra seating in to try and fill that gap. So, you know, you've got your normal oval where the football pitch sits. Well, where the diamond was was created, they then brought extra seats into the into the ground to try and close that gap. And then you then it was a bit weird because behind those seats, it was then empty. So but we, we were sort of up the third baseline and I thought it was a good spectacle. And I think beyond the the Yankees and Red Sox fans, the most represented beyond them was clearly the Jays. And I think that was that was really good to see. It was lovely to meet loads of Jays fans and, and see. The I, I saw t- also thought the tickets were a bit expensive as well for what it was. To be honest, I, I thought they they overpriced it, but, but they did all right in terms of um, people who went to it. Attendance was good, but I, I just thought mm, probably overpriced for what it was. I, yeah, certainly the home plate tickets were crazy prices. Uh, as I say, we were down the third baseline uh, in the outfield, and I think we paid something like sixty pounds for a ticket, um, which 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 is, is okay. Which I suppose yeah. you know is on par with other sporting events. Uh, I was I was pleased to go just to see to baseball, you know, in the UK, and, and definitely mm. MLB have announced this week that um, they are going to be bringing some more international series games. I think London's earmarked for. Th- three or four i think it is there's going to be one in paris uh so be interesting to see whether they would bring the jays i i have a feeling they won't because i just don't think for the american market it's a big enough enough? no no and i think because we haven't got a natural rival so certainly the cubs and cardinals who were due to come in 2020 i think they're going to be the first on the list to come over but we'll, we'll see we'll see what what happens have you ever commentated on any baseball by any chance? No, no, Never. I haven't. No, um, a good friend of mine, Simon Brotherton, he probably know is a mm. big Chicago fan. Uh, ah. He has, and he's covered World Series before for Five Live. Um, so yes, I know he has, but I haven't though. Yeah, no, I like listening to Simon Brotherton. He's one of my favorite favorite commentators. Beyond yourself, of course. You know, that thank goes, you. That goes without goes without mm-hmm. saying. So you haven't done baseball. Is there any event that you would love to do? that you haven't done yet? I've been lucky because I've done six summer games Olympics and I've done six winter games Olympics. So I've covered a lot of areas there and I've pretty much covered most of the sports I'd want to cover. The only thing I've not ever done is a World Cup in football. I've done Euros in football. I've done two of those, but I've not done a World Cup in football because it's basically the event that everybody wants to do. Uh, so not everybody can do it, obviously. But I think if there's one thing I want would like to do, just to kind of complete the checklist, I think it probably would be a World Cup in football. Mm. And I guess, I mean, obviously here we we get the the main commentators in terms of the BBC and the ITV networks, but there must be opportunities for you know British commentators to work for overseas firms. Is, is that something that you've ever done in terms of bringing a commentary yeah, into another nation that perhaps we wouldn't have heard? Well, like for example, this year I'm working on the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. I'm working for the host broadcaster. So when you work for the host broadcaster, it basically means those countries who don't send commentators over, you provide the commentary for them. So Commonwealth's quite big, and it doesn't seem that big, but because people think of Canada and uh, obviously the UK or England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland or Northern Ireland, and uh, countries like that. But actually, there's a lot of countries in the Commonwealth who. For financial reasons and for other reasons, won't, won't send a full team or send any team. So what will happen is we supply, and I'm doing swimming and diving, we supply the commentary, which then goes out in those countries. So, um, yeah, so so host broadcaster is, is, is kind of what it says, really, is, is obviously for the generally for the smaller nations and, and for those who may have an interest but just don't have the resources or finances to send, we provide them with the commentary for that. If you've got a story to tell, 
send us an email, bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. Now, back to Red, White, and Blue Jays. Right. Let's, um, let's talk Jays then. Yes. Get, get, yes. yes. That's, what we're, that's what we're here for. Mm. So where did that all kick off for you? Right. My first visit to Toronto was 1987. Um, I, I always had a bit of a love for Canada anyway. I don't know why. I think it's because I had quite a few Canadian friends. And I thought, I've got to go. So I went to Toronto. So obviously one of the things I had to do on my first visit there was go and see the Blue Jays. 87, exhibition stadium, not the Sky Dome. Of course, that came a couple of years later. Um, and I'd seen a bit of baseball, I think on World of Sport. Very rarely was it to remember in those days. We only had three, well, obviously 82, we had four TV channels. So there wasn't much of an outlet for baseball in those days. Um, but I was kind of intrigued. I'm a big cricket fan. And as you know, there, there are correlations between the two. So I, I went for my, my first ever game. And actually, I can't remember who the opposition was. I was, I was trying to go back through the stats the other day to try and find it. But the first game I went to, went to 13 or 14 inning. I can't remember if it was 13 or 14, but it, it certainly went on for a long time. Right, went way, way beyond the normal line. And I was staying with friends in Hamilton. So I had a concern. I was enjoying the game, but I was concerned I was never going to get back because <laughs> it was an evening game. And uh, I think it was well after midnight by the time it actually finished. And they laid on extra transport for us to get back to Hamilton. So my first real taste of the Blue Jays was at Exhibition Stadium. Obviously not the greatest of locations. Uh, there are <laughs> much, much better stadia involved in, in baseball, as, as I've subsequently found out. But um, but that, that was my baptism into it. And, of course, yeah. Jay's having won, and I was kind of captivated by that. And, uh, you know, it, it just was the beginning of my love affair, I suppose, you know, which has uh, yeah. lasted 35 years. And, of course, Jay's celebrating 45 this year. So uh, happy anniversary to, to the Jay's of being 45 now. I know. It's, 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 actually, on my shelf uh, behind me, I've I've got virtually every pocket schedule from '77 all the way through. There's mm. just about four or five years that I haven't managed to collect. I just can't get hold of them. But I, I was fascinated with people who've been to exhibition because uh, I my first visit was in '94, so I I've only seen Sky Dome baseball. What was that like as an experience? Where 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 we? Because it's it was it was this um, multi-use stadium. Yeah. And from the photos I can remember, there's like one big stand, and then they had some yeah, seats around home plate. Uh, yeah. What, what I was, was, that I was like? in that big stand. I was in that big stand. So, so obviously, not having been to a game before, I didn't know what to expect in terms of where I should sit or anything like that. So I was in the main stand. Um, it, it, it was a decent view. It was okay because um, obviously I had nothing to compare it to at that stage. And now I have because of my various visits to the Sky Dome. But it was. Um, it was intriguing. Obviously, I didn't know much about it. I was learning as I was going on. I think I was with somebody who was kind of teaching me the ropes a little bit as we were going along. There, there, there were a lot of things I wasn't sure about. I was asking questions about. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. And sometimes you go to a sport and you just don't buy into it. I've never bought into NFL, for example. I've been to uh, the equivalent games in the UK and I've never really enjoyed it. And it's one, one sport that just doesn't do anything for me. But baseball did straight away. So, um my my love affair with it kind of began that day on that first game. Yeah, and, and did you get a sense in in Toronto because obviously the Expos was was still in existence at that point. I saw them too. Oh, very good. Um, mm. And for Toronto, obviously a fairly new team at the point you saw them, so they were just starting, yeah. I guess, to to walk towards some positive years in the mid eighties. Was there a big appetite? I mean, obviously hockey, Maple Leafs is is the big seller. In Toronto, yeah. particularly, what was what sense did you get in terms of the appetite for for baseball in that city? Yeah, I think I think it was the time when the Jays were start, start, just starting to really establish themselves. You know, because when you're a new franchise, a lot of people look at you thinking, "Well, a are they going to last? And uh, b are they, they going to get kind of swallowed up by somebody else?" And I think it was just at the stage of starting to get some big names at that point. Names that most Jays fans will know now, you know, your, your George Bells, your Jimmy Keys, people like that, who were who, who are legendary now. And that they were lucky that it took them a while just to get that right formula, get the right combination of people. Um, and they suddenly realized they, they hit upon a, a formula having some star players. Um, and that's what kind of launched them, to, obviously, to win um, AL East. 
um, and then to to go on to win the two World Series. But uh, yeah, that, that was they were just coming into that into that vein of form, I suppose, and into those 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 halcyon years when they were starting to look like a a real team that had arrived on the scene. Yeah, did you get back to the World Series at all? Like, we, did you get any? Uh, no, in, in either no, of those sadly years? I didn't. No, sadly I didn't. Um, because uh, as I mentioned, I actually saw Skydome being built first first time I was there. I went up the CN Tower and looked down and saw um, the Skydome being built. So I, I was there from its uh, initial foundations, if you like, to to actually appear. So when I went back the next uh, yeah two or three years later, it was actually all ready to go. Um, but suddenly I was working away. I was in Sheffield in '93 and '94, so I actually didn't get a chance to go to the World Series. Uh, which is a bit of a shame, but um, I'm hoping that, well, who knows, maybe this year. I mean, there's a, there's certainly a good buzz about stuff this year. And uh, I'm feeling pretty, I felt pretty confident last year. I think we were, we were a bit robbed, if we, if we put it in those terms, about not actually making it through um, to the latter stages. I mean, it was ultimately one game, wasn't it? At, at, was the, it was the exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the most football ending to baseball that I can remember yeah. in terms of, so many teams on the last day and the sort of the, you know, the configurations of who might go through to, I was going to say go up, that's, that's promotion relegation talk, but who might go through mm-hmm. to the po- postseason, uh, who might yeah. not. And, you know, if the result goes this way, then it could be this. It was just amazing. Wasn't it that last day of the yeah. season? Yeah. And I thought it, we had so many ridiculous results last year as well, because I, I'd look at the scores in the morning and go, what was that? Was it 18-15s and 18-10s? We, we get some ridiculously high scores last year. Um, and again, you know, I, I talked to my, my baseball friends, and it always seems to come down to pitching. And I know that's a key, obviously a key element for every team, but that was always been my, my main concern. Go, ah, pitching's inconsistent, um, which was, always seems to have been something I've been talking about with the Jays for years. You know, you go back to the, the Henke days, um, and it was the same with him, you know. I, I was never, I was never convinced with Henke, even though he, he, people might say he's one of the Jays' legends. I'd always go, oh, I'd never like it with Henke's pitching. It doesn't quite work for me. And um, but uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, that, the AL East is just so difficult. It is such a difficult division. You look at the others and you think, you know, it, it's the stacked division, isn't it? Yankees, us. Uh, Boston, it's it, it, it's it's just a ridiculous. It, you kind of wish they could look at it and just reassign or reappraise uh, the AL East and, and just make it a little bit more competitive because we're uh, for other for other divisions and us not quite so competitive. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess when they got originally put into the AL East, you know, they were a new team and and therefore things probably looked a little bit different. Uh, I remember mm. a few years back. I think the Jays had an opportunity to consider going into the central division, uh, but they, they chose not to. And I, mm. do, do you think that it's, it's one of those sort of, uh, do, would you rather play in a, a very competitive league and not get through on a regular basis, but you're playing most often against the best teams. And therefore, if you're playing against the best teams, that's going to help you improve. Or do you play in a slightly well, weaker division, get through all the time, but then have the disappointment of actually, well, Yes, we've got three, but we're going to get knocked out in the first first round, as it were. Yeah, in a way, I think I'd rather play the best teams at the end of the season, right? So, so as I say, you avoid them. Uh, you don't face them as often. You, you look at our program for April, for example. Um, we've got Yankees straight away. You know, Yankees are straight up, and we and then we've got Boston in there as well. April is an absolute killer this year for the Blue Jays. Now, you might say, okay, with the roster we've got. Have been improved. It looks good. It looks strong. Maybe we can win both series there. Maybe we can win both head to heads. But that's a lot. You know, you got two of who are going to be two of the best teams in the whole of every division this year, and we're facing them in April. Yeah, and I was just just looking as you as you're talking. Yeah, so we've got uh, Texas obviously is the opening series, and we've got New York for four games, Oakland for three, Boston for three, Houston for three, Boston for four. And then uh, Houston again for three at the end of April. So it is just an extraordinarily tough yeah, start. Tough. But we have a team. At least, at least we've got a season. At least we've got a season. That's, a, that's yeah. the important thing. Two Did, weeks ago, I'm thinking, well, are we even going to get a season? If we do get a season, how yeah. truncated is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, what is your view on the CBA stuff? I mean, it's just for us, I think here in the UK, it's just such a weird 
an arrangement because I I don't think we'd ever mm. see that happening in in British sport in the same way. No, we, we we never we never have these issues, but American sport has it all the time. NHL has it, MLB's had it, the NFL's had it, or all, all, and and also basketball's had it. All the major divisions, all the major operations in North America have this problem on a, on a, on a, at least a five year basis. It comes around. You always yeah. know. All right, well, when's the next crisis coming? Um, it's it's just kind of the way that North American sport is set up. You don't hear about it. You don't see it anywhere else in the world. It's it's, it's the unique way that American sport is is organized, arranged, mm. uh, which I think sometimes is, is counterproductive. To be but honest. I think I think particularly MLB seems to be the weakest one in the terms of its arrangement. Yeah. I think I think yeah. the other the other three don't seem to be. I know they've all had probably strikes over different periods of time, but it just seems to be that the the opportunity for the two sides to be so far apart from each other mm. seems to be heightened in in MLB and I and I like you I was I was thinking we aren't going to see baseball perhaps even until sort of May June time that I mean that's how I felt listening to what was going on yeah it's like a train coming down the track you know it's coming but nobody mm. seemed to be be worrying about it and and suddenly oh yeah okay we're just going to start cancelling se- uh, series and and so on I mean it's just just mad but thankfully it's here it's here mm. so let's just have a little bit of a chat about where we are jay's won their first spring training game today and uh my apologies that <laughs> i i messaged bob and arranged tonight and it's right in the middle so if anybody's watching game two uh you could ring in and tell us what the score is because it's happening i think it's uh let me look it's two, it's two two at the moment two two two, two at two. the moment in the bottom yeah. of the fourth by the looks of it mm, so that yeah. was good timing on my part so many apologies bob it's all right but, so how how are you feeling about where the jays are at i'm feeling very optimistic actually and not only am i feeling optimistic i'm looking at what other people are saying you know i'm looking at the so-called experts saying and i'm seeing people saying they think we're going to go a long way into this season i've even seen a couple of pundits saying we could win the world series this year um so you know, I, I think we've made some good recruitment. We've got some players coming back from injury. Uh, I, I think everything looks pretty good. I don't see too many areas for concern, to be honest, which I might have to reappraise in a couple of weeks' time once the season is underway <laughs> in April. But at the moment, that was a, that was a good win yesterday. Um, pr- pretty impressive. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling unnaturally for me normally because I, I, I tend to work on the old glass half empty rather glass half full um, mm. way of thinking of things but actually at the moment i'm very confident i think we, we're kind of owed one after last year and i think we could actually go quite a long way this year yeah and i, I think obviously the, we've got an improved squad obviously the, this week the big news was um in terms of matt chapman coming across from oakland uh i mean just is probably reputedly the best third baseman at the moment in the um, major leagues Probably not so, so hot with his bat, but he's not being brought in for his bat. He's been brought in for his defensive capabilities. Yeah. And and it was always that third base corner, so they yeah. call hot corner, was the, the weakness in the current squad in terms of how's that going to look? Uh, I mean, how excited were you to hear that Chapman was coming our way? Very. In fact, when it initially came up, I went, mm, I don't think this is going to happen, uh, to be absolutely honest. I thought, uh, real quality player, um, why would he go? a start and you know are we really in the market for somebody as good as that i'm thinking yeah of course we are we're we're a decent team we've got a lot of credentials we've got a lot of credibility so why wouldn't he want to come um they went quiet for a couple of days and then the story came back up to the 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 top of the agenda again i'm thinking good what we need is quality players the more quality players we can have as you say in areas that we are slightly deficient even better so yeah I'm, i'm i'm pretty happy with that and i think in terms of uh Starting rotation as well. That is looking very strong. Uh, with Barrios, Ryu, Gosman, Manoa, and Kikuchi, who's just come in from the Mariners. Yeah, that's that's another great signing. You know, yeah, that's so uh, thirty-six million uh, over three US years. Deal. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Some, slightly front-loaded, and I and I think you know they are, I think sort of gearing up for a two to three-year window here with these signings. If they don't do it this year. I'm absolutely sure they're going to do it at some point over this 
two three year window and i think i think that's that's the way that mm. you know uh, ross atkins and mark shaparo seem to be setting up this particular team but the firepower in the the lineup on the bats is just extraordinary i mean vladdy vladdy well, well, can well can he have you all i was about to say can he have another season like he had last year that's the yeah. question you know what second highest in home runs last year yeah yeah um, you know, it, it, it seemed to be every time he was in there, it was smoking out of the park. So, and as you say, he started pretty well this year. Um, if he can keep that going through the course of this year, uh, he's a very, he's a very potent person to have. And uh, yeah, uh, glad we've got him and other people haven't. <laughs> and I think a healthy George Springer, because we had a lot of, lot of the yes. season last year without, without him. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the spring training news, but it seems like he's in good shape. And 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 actually, a lot of the the guys. I was last week I had the the joy of talking to Ben Wagner, the uh, Blue Jays radio announcer, and uh, who is at spring training camp, of course. And I was just saying, you know, the the, the team looking in good shape. Vladdy again looks like he's lost a little bit of weight. Um, Espinal is, you know, certainly in some of the photos. There's been a lot of commentary on social media over the last sort of two weeks about how well he's looking. And I think that just everybody's hungry, mm. particularly with the break as well and the extended, you know, <clears throat> extended time that they've had off. Everybody just seems right ready to to take this on. And I th- I think, you know, we don't don't want to curse them. Well, but I, I, the thing is, I I don't remember the neutrals being so positive about us for a long time. I'm I'm reading stuff from you know the the, the general uh, baseball writers and commentators who aren't Jays affiliates by any means. And that they're all they're all really talking us up because they're saying that you know you're looking for areas where we might be deficient, and they're saying it's quite hard to find that this year. That we we we've plugged most of those gaps now. Yeah, of course. The big thing, uh, as you know, watching sports so much as you do, is injuries. Uh, you know, it's yes. the thing that you well, as we found it last year. Yeah. yeah, have to manage, isn't it? And uh, if we get a couple of key players, hopefully, there's enough depth in the squad to. Mm to carry us through that that that's the hope isn't it yeah right i i know it's it's early days but i you know your colors to the flag in terms of are they going to be world series champions this year yes go like as. that positive simple as I, I i i really feel confident about this and you say i don't normally feel that way and you may well be right it might take a year or two to, to really get this roster to, to gel together. But I'm, I say I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I really don't see too many areas of concern. You're right, the injury thing is something that could derail us or throw us off a little bit. But actually, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think Chapman addition is, is, is massive for us. Um, and Vlad's obviously started in, in a pretty similar style this year. So yeah, um, more of last year, but obviously better, please. Bring it on. And of course, the one mm. thing I didn't say is that they've got an expanded postseason this year as well. Of course, there's 14 teams going through, which mm. means that the opportunity, obviously, to to sneak in through the back door is also there. But hopefully... Well, I don't gonna... think we're thinking that. We're not uh, thinking No, that. absolutely. We're, we're, we're going to win AL East anyway, so we're yeah. worried about that. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think you're totally right. I think, the, 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 for me, the, the most competitive team out there in the ALS for us is, is still the Rays. They're, they're our nemesis. They're looking mm. strong again. I don't think the Yankees are there. I think Red Sox will probably be down in fourth. And of course, poor Or- Orioles are propping yes. up the table as, as, as usual. But as um, per. yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's let's keep positivity and uh, let's uh, let's hope we see your wishes come true, sir. Um, mm. That'll be that'll be fantastic. You're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast of Blue Jays Fans UK. Right, so one of the things that we've done with all our guests uh, is to... Uh, no, I didn't do it with Ben actually last week because he was so tight with time that I, I didn't get to do it with him. But all, all bar okay. Ben Wagner last last week got my little top 10 questions that we just throw out to everybody Okay. as, as we close off. But uh, so where or who would be your favourite player from last season? Who um, would you give that to? I think I'll go Vlad. I think I'll go Vlad. Guerrero Jr. Um, because he always got me on the edge of my seat when when he was on when he was at bat. He always got me on the edge of my seat because I'm never quite sure what he. Well, I, I always hoped he would do what I think he could do, 
Um, but the amount of time that he was hitting the ball out of the park, it, it had to be him. Obviously, we could go with Simeon as well, but I, I just think Vlad wins it for me just on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, he, he was <laughs> the out and out MVP in all senses last year. But there were so you know these these guys who were hanging on my wall behind me. You know, it, there were just so many candidates who played such stellar seasons last year. But yeah, no, totally understand that. Um, favorite Blue Jays player of all time. That probably would be Tony Fernandez. I think I'll go Tony um, because those halcyon days and also the fact that he came back to us um, when he'd gone away to, to come back and do a World Series as well. Um, so I think it's going to be Tony or it could be Joe Carter, but I think I'll go, uh, I think I'll go Fernandez. Mm. Yeah, Joe, Car- Joe Carter, of course, famously hit the, the home run out for the, the second World Series win. Um, although, I, I, you know, and he was the name that I remember when I first went in 94. But uh, a lot of people in that that era um, said, you know, that you know he, he gets the headlines if you like. But there were certainly other players that you know that were mm. probably slightly ahead of him. But uh, yeah, no, totally get that. Uh, you got any favourite non Blue Jays players that you've admired over the years? Um, in recent times, I suppose mm, probably Otani because of what yeah. he, again what he did last year. Yeah, exactly. um, again, a, a, another. Uh, and, and what I quite like is the fact that Japanese players are starting to come through a bit more now. I mean, they, they, they've had such a strong baseball infrastructure for many years, never really quite made it to the to the big uh, prominent names of the MLB, but they're starting to do that now. So a ton another, you know, again, if you, I don't know whether you're going to ask me that, but a player I'd love to get that we don't have, he would probably be the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, can you imagine what his price tag would be? Yes, quite. Favorite ballpark away from exhibition stroke Rogers stroke Skydome. Mm. Well, got any favorites? I well, I've, I haven't done that many. I've, in fact, I was trying to work out the other day how many I'd done. Uh, I did go to the Olympic Stadium where Montreal Expos used to play. It was a bit run down in those days. I've got to be honest. Uh, so it wouldn't be that. It's probably going to be Fenway, actually, because even though they are arch rivals, I actually quite like it. It's an old style baseball stadium it's got a feel of the kind of 1920s 1930s about it yeah. it was actually quite nice to go to an old halcyon baseball mm. stadium because obviously most of them like our own it's quite modern a bit yeah. concrete if you like but but actually had a bit of a feel about it and uh, i actually yeah. quite enjoyed watching it in that that environment yeah I, I enjoyed fenway when we went there and it's 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 a bit like uh, i guess you know in terms of some of our football teams it the, 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 the ground is sort of shoehorned in amongst houses and it's a weird mm. shape, isn't it? And that's why they've got the green monster to try and sort of yes. equate, equate the, the, the shape of the ballpark. It, it does have a lot of quirks, but it is. A, I, I found a it very place. hard to find my way in actually, because the, <laughs> whichever gate I was supposed to be coming into for my ticket, I, I think I, I walked around the ground about three times to actually find <laughs> the right location, but I eventually got in. And well done, sir. Well done. Okay. So when you're at baseball game, What's your, yes. your go to uh, grub? I, I must admit, I tend to eat before and after. I don't tend to eat much during the course of a game. I think I get too nervous at a game. I think it depends what comes round. Um, it depends, obviously. On, uh, I've got to say, I always found the fare at Skydome not that great, to be absolutely honest. Yeah. You, you'll, get, you'll, you'll get your peanuts come around and, and your Canadian beer, which I can't stand anyway. Um, um, so it, it depends what they're offering. If they, if they came up with something like nachos, perhaps I'd go for that. But I'm not a great eater at um, a baseball game, so I've got to be honest. I, I, no. I tell you, well, t- tend to go and if it's for Toronto, I'll go and have something to eat in town, then go to the game or eat after the game. Yeah. I, I, w- I always find the the stuff they, they they serve at baseball games very unfulfilling, to be honest. Yeah, it is what it is, but it's classic and very expensive, of course, and very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Do, is, is there a sort of a go-to commentator's snack that you guys sort of sneak in. That you in have between... to be very careful. No, so you, you have oh. to be very careful. I, I, I get, I get, the amount of commentators who um, have these like peanuts and got stuck <laughs> in their throat when they're trying <laughs> to commentate. So, so I, I tend to find I don't actually really eat when I when I commentate. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll often just wait until the end of that session or whatever. Um, you'll drink, of course, but um, no, because because you, you, obviously you don't want anything to get lodged in your windpipe or anything when you're in middle of commentary. <laughs> it's uh, so give you the Heimlich maneuver halfway through yeah. the commentary. It's probably not yeah. very good, but <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine. Um, 
your favorite drink that you'd have with your unhealthy very expensive food um provided i could get a decent beer i'd probably go for a beer i mean you know yeah i mean decent what, what, the... what do you call a decent beer well, where, it, where, it, where it, are you would, pitching would, it would, would, wouldn't be most and all of that so i've got to tell you that much um there is yeah i know you, you Bob, might you're letting us it. down we might you have might to cut the well, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is not being sponsored by Labatt or Molson, is it? <laughs> um, or is it? Because no. <laughs> it's too late. I've already done the damage. Too late, yeah. But uh, yeah, quite. Um, when I went to to Vancouver, they do. But this is, was not at a sports event. They do honey beer, and I, and I, I really? developed quite a liking for honey beer. So if there was, you know, if anybody happens mm. to be listening, either at uh, Skydome or somewhere else that I might potentially go to, then uh, yeah. I think I could uh, neck a few of those. Yeah. Yeah, honey bit. We're going to Vancouver this year, so uh, we're hoping to go and see the Canadians. Yeah, there's a really good brewery there that does that. Is stuff, there? So, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, we'll look that up before we go. Uh, very good. Mm-hmm. Day or night game? Day? No, night. What was I saying? Night game. <laughs> night game definitely. Come on, make your mind up. That's, that's, that's an immediate change, isn't it? Yeah. No, night game definitely because um, a bit, kind of a bit like football. I, I like games under light. Again, I quite like games under the roof as well. Um, I actually uh. like Jay's games under the roof, and I know some people don't. Is but, that because uh, it gives the feeling that it's at night? Yeah, it, it, well, it keeps it keeps all the noise in, keeps all the noise yeah. in. So um, I like games under the roof, but uh, yeah, there's, there's something about, and also kind of the way the weather changes a great deal during during night time. You get, you, you'll get in there and you think, oh, it's quite comfortable, and by the time mm. you reach about the seventh inning, it's you're starting to get cold. The, the, the fluctuations and the changes you get. Um, in terms of that, you know, I, I think I think night game for me every time. Yeah. So um, in terms of obviously Six Nations are on at the moment. Um, so things like Millennium Stadium, would, would you still be a proponent of that roof being permanently closed? Or do you like, you know, going to something like that with the roof open? And I, I think it comes down to what circumstances dictate. I mean, if it's, if it's chucking it down with rain, it's going to get like a quagmire and then you, you have yeah. the advantage. That's why, in a way, I wish Wembley had that. Wembley does mm. not have it. Has, it has kind of the beginnings of a closed roof, but it doesn't actually have a closed roof. It's really, really weird. When you look at the construction of it, I think they, they built it in such a way they could add a roof to it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, as yet, they've not. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's something quite special about night games. Um, maybe it's, it's just the way that people are attuned to night games or maybe, maybe the way they approach them in terms of how vocal they are to games like that. But yeah, yeah I think night games for me. Night games, and there's nothing better actually being at Rogers with the roof open. Oh, at, you see it. At you night. Oh, I'm going to walk oh. off now. Oh, I'm okay. We'll come now. to that in a minute. We'll come. We'll come to that in a minute. Not, oh, let's okay, do that right. then. So I'm roof gonna, open or ri- roof open no, or roof no, close then. Um. So, um, at at the Sky Dome, you mean? Yes. Because yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. you, you slipped into the vernacular there. Yeah, so I, 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 I do switch, switch between I, I the two. Ba- I was going to bail out at that <laughs> stage. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, of course, it depends. If, if it's a brilliantly hot, sunny day, uh, if, it, if it's a day game, then obviously I don't want the roof closed, no. But uh, yeah. but, but but generally, yeah, I, I, I do like the atmosphere of the roof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and certainly when you look back over the big games, you know, back in the sort of 2015 backflip game where they had the roof mm. closed, I mean, people I've spoken to, they said the sound inside the dome was just extraordinary. Because it doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. It stays within. No, yeah. It doesn't evaporate, does it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so uh, it's good to see you in your Jays jersey. So what's your favourite Jays jersey colour? There we go. It would be the original one that I saw um, when I went to 87. I, I, I do think our logo and our jerseys are actually the best there are. I, I think there's something quite... I think it's been quite classy about it, and I think it all, it's also um, it stands out from the others. I think I think that there's something yeah. quite uh, quite special about our logo. So whoever designed it, congratulations to them because I think it's well. They, it's they nice. did have a it's, bit of yeah. They did have a couple of clangers, didn't they, in the sort of nineties, yeah. which didn't. Yes, yeah, yeah late, 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 so late, great. They they, they they kind of went off beam for a bit, yeah. um, but the one that I the, the first one I would have bought and probably when I bought my original Jay's T-shirt, which had been eighty seven eighty eight, uh, that logo for me. Yes, yeah, you probably got it there, have you? I'm just uh... pretty pretty much your collection. Yeah, yeah. So this this one was oops, this one was my 94, 94 hat. So that would be the original. That's a little later. Yeah, yeah. yeah original yeah. Um, mm. logo design, and then it's obviously gone through a few 
few changes yeah. over the years and uh, yeah, a massive just... change. I mean, they, 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 they're not trying to reinvent the wheel too much, uh, but I, but I quite like uh, the simplicity, I suppose, of the original one. Yeah, yeah. I like. Probably yeah, got a bit more complicated. And I think those outside of being a fan of the Jays often say that you know the logo is one of the best sports logos going, and uh, mm. yeah, you can you can you can see see why. Okay, uh, so yeah, so the, so the original colour jersey you're talking to like the baby blue. Yes. Color. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I forget the red. <laughs> I, I do not like the red at all. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a real aversion to the red. I don't know why we have red at all. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I've seen it on, when I've, when I've walked around Toronto and I've gone into the sports stores and I've seen the red, yeah. I always want, always want to set fire to it. I, I'm, 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 I'm that anti the red because yeah. we're not, we're called Blue Jays. The yeah. clue is in the name. <laughs> we're not the Toronto Red Jays. We're the no. Toronto Blue Jays. Get the, get the old red out of here. Uh, I, I've got a confession. You like the red? No, no, it's not. I, 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 no. I've got a, I've got a red jersey. Mm. Um, yeah, it's you're, upstairs. You, you, the only time you'll see me wearing a red jersey is when I'm when I'm laid to rest, because I will not ever, ever be seen in a Jays red yeah. jersey. And we've just never played well in the red, have we? No, I mean, to be honest, it's been... what a surprise. <laughs> Throws us, throws us completely off our filter. Yeah, yeah no, uh, I, I get Who, I who get came that. up with that idea? Yeah. Somebody who's uh, into marketing, I would imagine. Yeah, I know. But yeah, it, 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 it didn't sell, <laughs> sell well from my point of view because I'd never buy the thing. Never. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's cleared that one up. So Good. on on the back of your, your baby blue jersey, what number would you yes. go for? Uh, I think I might go for... To the age I'd like to be, twenty-one. <laughs> okay, is uh, apart from that's what the age you want to be. Is is there any significance in twenty-one for you, or is it um... not particularly? I, no. I I don't have any particular, but I I, I can see that looking okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if, if somebody was to to assign me a number, twenty-one would be. I'm just okay. off the top of my head trying to rack through my Jay's knowledge of numbers and whether I can think of anybody who was twenty-one that. I can't spring to mind is not no I have to look that up and see see whether we so it might be unique I might, I might even yeah, get a you might, this year you never I know might you might get a call a, up yeah might get a call up at 21 yeah but you know what? if if Vladdy gets taken out Bob will give them the, your um, number yeah I, I think I, I think I might be all right uh, behind home plate but that'd be about it yeah yeah so are you did you say uh, you're trying to get over to Toronto at all this year well I don't see because I've got quite a few things on this year i've got the world touring championships in budapest in the summer i've got the commonwealth games in birmingham later in the year i've got a couple of other things um because i guess my full-time job is is teaching a multimedia sport at a university now is uh, i actually don't get a lot of spare time so um, what i had planned had i not had these other things i was going to go over this summer right. so it might have to be next summer so ideally for a, for a very um uh insular point of view and a very selfish point of view it'd be quite nice if they could reach the world series next year but <laughs> I, i'd still rather they want it this year like they did before win back-to-back ones would be great do it this yeah, year and do it next year of course i'm sure you could uh work out some sort of field trip with your students that, that you know, <laughs> well that, actually, that, the funny <laughs> thing is funny thing is we actually do have as part of our offshoot from here we do actually uh, do stuff in toronto now in fact, ah. I received an email today telling me details of it. So um, well, there you go. I might be, able, might be able to swing that. You never know. Yeah, no, that that sounds mm. definitely like a plan. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. I really do Thanks, appreciate it. I know you're super busy with all that you're doing. And uh, to be able to carve out a bit of time just to chat a little bit about all the things you've been involved in and to certainly hear about your passion for the Jays is absolutely been brilliant. So thank you so much. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you. Good luck, Jays, for the rest of the season. Yeah, let's go, Jays. Come on. Guys, hope you enjoyed that with Bob. Great to hear a little bit about his career and all that he has done in terms of following the Jays and his passion for this coming year. Please continue to keep liking, subscribing, rating, all that stuff. It really helps just to keep the message out. As always, the podcast will be available on all the main streaming platforms, also on YouTube. So if you haven't found us there, go there. And uh, again, if you click the subscribe button and uh, the little bell, then you'll get notified every time we upload a new video to that channel. 
Anyhow, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. See you soon. Bye. The Red, White and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.